right. Welcome back into another episode, a long overdue episode of Quick Hits. Uh, my name is Blake Pace. It is Wednesday, January 8th. And this has to be, what, three weeks since our last episode at least? Let me take a look at a calendar. One, two, three. So actually, let's see. One, two, yeah, three weeks. Three weeks since our last episode. In that time, what's happened? I had some friends coming to town, so that's why I didn't do any of that. End of the week, then I went home for a week for the holidays. Had some people in town for the week of New Year's. And then I got a puppy. Good old boy Bush. Very on-brand name. One of my favorite things in this world is is some good Bush Light beer. So I got a mini Golden Doodle on New Year's Day. Uh, His name is Bush. And uh, that is why I'm in my workplace office on a Tuesday night. Because he won't shut the fuck up. I knew that was going to be a problem at least early on, so... I'll be doing these episodes from the office where I work, which eh, at night only about a 10-minute drive, so it really just adds about probably 30 minutes if you take setup and take down to get the podcast going. But anyways, we're here. Um, Let's see. We've got a lot going on in the NFL right now, of course, with the playoffs. I had a podcast come out with Matt Wyrick on Monday from Reasonably Outrageous that has all of my thoughts, or I guess the majority of my thoughts on Wild Card Weekend. Extremely exciting weekend, lots of fun games, lots of sloppy games, but um, I think that just made them all more interesting. So I was going to double up and do my own podcast on Wild Card Weekend, but I mean, it's better to hear a a good discussion instead of me just talking about all of it. and there's no need for me to do two podcasts where I say the same exact thing. So um, go give that a listen. That is Reasonably Outrageous. Our most recent episode was recapping Wild Card Weekend. We'll be back next Monday uh, doing, what is it, I guess, Divisional Round. And then we'll start doing every Monday and Thursday. Um, so the schedule for this podcast, now that we're in the playoffs, I think through the rest of the season kind of up in the air definitely going to do multiple podcasts a week um i think just with the dog and with work right now i'm not able to get in five a week but if i can do two to three i'll feel pretty good about still getting some content out there so i'm not going to talk about wild card weekend in this one Uh, our next episode later this week might get into some more patriots talk got some thoughts there um we might go into well, we are going to go into, at least toward the end of the week, my predictions for the upcoming weekend of football. we got some great games going on. Amazing quarterback matchups of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson uh, for the Chiefs and Texans game. And then, of course, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Those are, you know, those those four guys going up against one another. That's going to be some of the best quarterbacking we've seen in a long time this deep in the postseason. So, um, extremely excited to watch that. We'll get into all of the game and you know analysis breakdowns later this week, um, but we are going to talk NFL head coaching carousel because it is all except for one job, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, every other job has been filled uh, officially as of January seventh. Uh, kind of two final hires came in on the day 
Um, the Carolina Panthers hiring Matt Rule out of Baylor. Uh, the New York Giants hiring Joe Judge out of New England. Uh, my way that I'm going to break this down and go over each one, I'm going to spend a couple minutes on each hiring that we've seen this offseason. And um, depending on how long that runs, might give some takes and thoughts on the Cleveland job that's still open. But I'm going to rank them from starting off the, the hire that I like the least all the way to the hire that I like the most. Um, so I'm going to go through that, talk about fit with the current roster, take a look at Outlook, look, take a look at the contract, what should, we should expect immediately, what we expect long term, and uh, any other additional notes there. So let's go with the hire that I like the least. And, you know, there are two that I definitely break down on that lower tier, and I probably am in the opposite side as the majority of people, I guess. But the hire that I was probably least excited about was the Dallas Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy. And, uh, you know, to me, Jerry Jones wanted, he spent the last decade with, uh, with Jason Garrett as kind of his puppet. Jason, you know, a guy from within the organization had a lot of, um, you know, owed a lot to to Jerry Jones for the opportunity. And he came in and he coached a decade. Jason Garrett coached a decade with the Dallas Cowboys. I think he had two playoff wins. Um, He was a great character guy. That was a big thing for him. It was a big thing that kept getting his job as he was so beloved by the Dallas community. And to me, Jerry didn't do anything different with this hire. You know, we'll get to them later. Some other teams have gone in completely opposite directions with their hirings. And, uh, the, you know, they essentially got a, an updated, maybe a, a little bit more polished, a better resume version of Jason Garrett. Of course, Mike McCarthy took the Packers to a Super Bowl in which they won. He's had good defenses. He had Aaron Rodgers. Never really had a great run game. But I just... I just don't like it because it doesn't change much with Dallas. You know, Jason Garrett, he was one of those guys that wasn't too analytically advanced, wasn't too, you know, wouldn't dazzle you on the field on offense. And Mike McCarthy is the same way. He had a very bland offense. The offensive coordinators that he used to bring in were very bland. They did the same thing, same, you know, five inside runs, didn't mix things up that much. Fortunately, they had great players around them on defense and then Aaron Rodgers and and great wide receivers around him as well too and that's kind of why Mike McCarthy had I guess an okay career record as the head coach for the Packers and a good one I'll give him that it wasn't bad it wasn't just okay it was good and why you know they won a Super Bowl It, it was he had Aaron Rodgers and great players he was not a great coach he couldn't coach up talent he wasn't one of those guys that really got a lot out of a little and so, so essentially, I'm, I have this as my lowest hire because the Cowboys really didn't do anything different. And they gave him a five-year deal. And if you enter the next five years where you can't bring yourself and elevate yourself to a different level, um, I, I just I don't think that this is one that's going to push the envelope for Dallas to put them into, okay, we are going to consistently win the NFC East. We are consistently going to be in the playoffs. We are consistently going to be 
inching our way towards a title. So, not the biggest fan. And I, look, Mike McCarthy, there was a big art, uh, a big video um, interview that came out, I want to say toward the end of the regular season, that talked about everything that he's looked at. He spent the entire year studying football and maybe what went wrong in Green Bay. So, look, if that's the case, and all of a sudden we get an analytically driven Mike McCarthy who is creative on offense, always thinking about other ways to improve defensively, then then this can work because he's got talent there. It's a good offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, Amari Cooper, they got to pay Dak, um, you know, talented young guys on defense. It can work. Mike McCarthy just actually has to put his money where his mouth is. You know, when he said it a couple months back, he's going to be a different coach this time around. We need to see that because if not, I mean, this, this is just Jason Garrett 2.0. It's Jason Garrett with a Super Bowl. It's Jason Garrett with Aaron Rodgers for, you know, the majority of his coaching career in Green Bay. So, look, I don't I don't love the hire just because I, I don't think it really pushes the needle further for Dallas. Um, I think it's a it's 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 the same guy. He's going to be great for the culture. The players are going to love him. But is he going to do enough at the end of the day to take this team in a far enough different direction to where they're maximizing all the players that they've got there on that roster? Because that is a talented team to not make the postseason. They've had talented teams to only have two playoff wins in the last decade. So of the hirings that have happened this offseason, i got to put the Cowboys taking Mike McCarthy at the bottom just because I don't think it really changes all that much. Um, and, And... the only way that I will grow into this hire and grow into this decision and, and like this move if we come out in the first two weeks and we see a very um, 2020 version of what an NFL offense should look like because to me, Mike McCarthy in 2019 was still stuck in 2011 and really wasn't making that many changes. So put your money where your mouth is. Mike, change up, change up what your offense looks change your uh, mindset on what makes a team tick and uh, and then we'll be able to move forward with a little bit more confidence so not a big fan of that hire just yet take some time and I'm gonna move on to I guess the third third place for the hire that I like um, the most and and this one was a toss-up between two and three for me um, there's not you know there's a reason why I would have this guy a little bit higher. Um, I, 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 the other two I'm a big fan of, and so this one might come as a surprise, but at three, uh, I've got the Redskins hiring Ron Rivera. And um, to me, in the same sense, this is kind of the same situation with Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy. The only reason it's a little bit better is because they were able to get rid of uh, Bruce Allen. They're able to get him out of the organization, and to me, that's one of the worst executives that we have seen in a long time. So getting rid of Bruce Allen, getting him out of the door, that was huge for Ron Rivera. He was able to get that done, so hats off to him. It seemed like Dan Snyder would never, was never going to make that move. But my biggest thing is, is like, man, you know, you've had Ron you had Ron Rivera there for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons. Let's go by the records. First year, six and ten, then seven and nine, then twelve and four, 
back to 7, 8, and 1. Then you had the MVP Cam year where they made it to the Super Bowl, 15 and 1. Then 6 and 10. Then 11 and 5. And then a 7 and 9. And then they finished the season at 5 and 11. I forget at what point they let him go. But, anyways, in there you've got three winning seasons, uh, his entire tenure with the Carolina Panthers. Um, so, to me, I don't know. I, I just thought there were a lot of good candidates out there. You know, especially if you're a team that, you know, I think personally for the Panthers, their big strength is their front seven on defense, got a good offensive line, and a good running back duo. But to me, if I've got a young quarterback, a young running back, a young wide receiver, and that's your trio, I would go and get one of these offensive-minded guys. It seems like everybody was, you know, shitting on the fact that everyone went young last year and, you know, you had over in Cincinnati, it, it, you know, they were one of the worst teams in the league after hiring a guy that maybe didn't have a ton of experience. But there were offensive coordinators that had a lot of experience. You know, I think of uh, Eric Bieniemy. Man, I, I've been beating the drum for him for years. The fact that he, you know, unless he gets hired by Cleveland magically, um, you know, that he spends another year as the offensive coordinator with the Chiefs instead of being a head coach, I think that's, you know, disgraceful. He's an, an extremely talented offensive mind. Um, you think about the Andy Reid tree, what coordinators haven't hit there? You know, Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, um, both, uh, you know, both have been the most recent guys, but the enemy would be, a, a, to me, a great head coach. So um, I thought that we could go in the offensive direction. Hell, maybe if there's a, you know, I don't think Leakin Riley, that would have been his top choice. But you have to consider it there as well, too, as a possible guy. So um, biggest, biggest takeaway with Riverboat Ron the reason I have it above the Dallas job is that, you know, the Cowboys went from a really good culture guy to a really good culture guy. The Redskins didn't have a great culture, and this seems to be like a, a guy that can come in there and fix that, take a lot of the responsibility if the team isn't performing. Um, and I think that the, the locker room is going to really appreciate that too. So I think a culture change was made by this hire, and for that reason I have it above Dallas, even though I'm not too uh, motivated by the move because... Personally, I think when you've got a strength in that front seven, I know that the, the defensive backs aren't that great. Um, I really think that you should have made a move to improve that offense and to get a really good offensive mind in there with all those young talents. And it seems to be that they're bringing in Norv Turner's son, Scott, as the offensive coordinator. Uh, he was he was okay with, with Carolina this past year in the interim role. In those last few weeks, it wasn't great. So I'm not entirely sure... If I'm excited about him coming in as the offensive coordinator, um, but I really think there were some some better options out there than you know if if they wanted to address their young core, which is all on offense. So I've got them at three. Don't love it. Don't hate it. I th I think it brings a necessary culture fix to um, to the Washington Redskins. But then I think where we're gonna go for second. Um, and this one, I this one got a lot of backlash. This one got a ton of backlash today. I saw some people, you know, that were pro the hire, but um, my second favorite hire of this offseason uh, is the Giants going out there and getting Joe Judge. Um, Patriots special team coordinator since 2015. He's been in New England since 2012. In that time, I believe he has three. Uh, Three Super Bowl championships, 
Previously has also worked with Nick Saban at Alabama. And, um, you know, this year he took over as the wide receivers coach. And that seems to be the big backlash. Oh, yeah, well, those wide receivers are really good this year. So so let's give him a head coaching job, you know, making a joke because the wide receivers were awful. They didn't have anybody. Who are you expecting him to coach? He's He coached up a bunch of nobodies to be talented. You know, we can't blame... Joe Judge, wide receivers coach, for Bill Belichick not drafting DK Metcalf over over Nikhil Harry. Nikhil could be good, don't know. But other than that, you know, Julian Edelman is, you know, reliable 99.9% of the time. Good wide receiver. Josh Gordon had his problems. They weren't able to make it work. Same with Antonio Brown. So then it, everybody's booing him because Jacoby Myers wasn't a great wide receiver and Mohamed Sanu couldn't do anything in New England. Like, come on, dude. Why are we blaming this guy for the, you know, he's trying to coach the players that were put out there. So, I, I think that that argument, oh, the, the Patriots wide receivers were awful this year. That's a dumb argument. He had nothing to work with. He was supposed to have a lot to work with. And then they couldn't stay on the team. Antonio Brown lasted a week. Josh Gordon indefinitely suspended for the fifth or sixth time now in his career. So, the reasons that I, I'm... The reason that I like Joe Judge in there is because we've seen time and time again these special teams guys have a really good insight when coming into a head coaching position. Um, you know, John Harbaugh being, you know, one of those guys where it's like you almost want a head coach at times to not, you know, run the offense or to not run the defense. And it sounds weird to say that because then you can just let him oversee everything, have him make the big decisions. But no, on offense, I know I turned to this one guy. This one guy is going to take care of all of this. And on defensive side, this guy is going to take care of everything his way. Um, we've seen it a few ways where, where special teams guys make great head coaches. You, you know, you focus on the special teams unit. Special teams is huge. It's an important part of the game. Um... You know, I I think based off of the other guys that they were planning to interview, um, and, and they weren't going to be able to interview Matt Rule because they weren't going to match his massive contract he got from the Panthers. But, I mean, God, if, if you're telling me it was Joe Judge or Jason Garrett, I'll take Joe Judge. Now, it's rumored Jason Garrett might be in there as the offensive coordinator, which then, you know, I, I have no idea what to think. But... Um, I, I don't hate the hire. Yeah, we don't know. We really don't know. Um, but I think that that's better than, you know, bringing in a guy that we do know is historically bad, like Jason Garrett. And this guy is coming from two dynasties. He's been around some of the best minds in football. Now that doesn't, you know, execute, you know, being closer to a high IQ doesn't transition that IQ to you. But you can learn a lot. And it, was, it came out that I think over the last two seasons, Bill Belichick had been coming to Joe Judge and giving him more responsibilities and kind of showing him the way to run a team. So I think he is going to be ready. But um, to me, the problem with the Giants, it, it's not the head coach, it's Dave Gettleman. And the Tishes and, and whoever else is up above there, too, is not going to um, get rid of Dave Gettleman just yet. It seems like one of those situations like with Bruce Allen where they're just going to hold on to a guy that can't do it right. But I don't, I don't hate the hire. I like it. 
I know there's a lot of unknowns with it, and and maybe you know people are thinking, oh well, the Redskins and the and the Cowboys, the two other teams in that division, they hired known guys. Yeah, but they hired known guys that that aren't great. You know, if you're okay with being nine and seven and ten and six and making it, you know, to a divisional round in the playoffs, fine. But let's take a shot at this guy who might be a great head coach. So don't know a lot about him. A whole lot of people know nothing about him, so it's. I think it's hard to really have a take over where it's good or bad, especially on the bad side, to knock this guy. You know nothing. You know nothing about what he's going to turn into, so I really don't like that. But um, I do like Joe Judge over the other candidates. Um, God, and, and even if the Giants had hired a guy like Ron Rivera or... Or Mike McCarthy, I would rather have Joe Judge. None of those guys pop off the pages like these guys are going to turn my awful team and build it into title contenders. Now I know the Belichick coaching tree isn't great, and um, you know outside of you know Bill O'Brien, who's in the playoffs right now, and uh, I mean I personally love Brian Flores. He's just he's doing a whole rebuild right now. Um, you know, other guys haven't worked out as well. You know, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels in Denver. <clears throat> I just think, I just think that this is the the background that he has, and and the fact that you know, hopefully he's given a long leash, given his inexperience. I hope the Giants aren't expecting. You know, I hope Dave Gettleman's not expecting a a, a five hundred record next year. It's going to be a growing pain. It's going to be like what we saw in Miami this past year. Not not gutting out the roster. There's talented players on the roster. But it is going to be some growing pain. So Giants are going to have to deal with that. I think Joe Judge is, is, is the way to go compared to, you know, all but one guy that I've mentioned today. You know, I, I don't know what Lincoln Riley, I don't know what that whole situation was like. Probably would have preferred him over Joe Judge. Not sure if there's another job out there that he might be interested in or if he's just really content staying in Oklahoma. Um, but between him, you know, Josh McDaniels, the big thing is that he wants to choose his GM is what it seems to be. So I don't think he was going to want to work for Dave Gettleman. You know, those two guys, I probably would have said, yeah, over Joe, Joe Judge. And, of course, the guy that, that got hired by Carolina, we'll talk about him in a couple minutes. Um but I think, I think between who their options were at this point, and I don't know if they interviewed Eric Bieniemy. I, I don't hate it. I think it's, I think it's going to be a, a step in the right direction. So it's my favorite hire out of the three NFC East teams, but my favorite hire of the, uh, of the offseason so far. And, of course, the Browns have a chance to, you know, royally fuck it up and be at the bottom of my list or make all the way to the top. But right now, I mean, my top guy... Uh, the Panthers went all in on, a, on an entire change of not just culture. They, they just went a whole change on the look of their franchise. Um, bringing in Matt Rule, head coach from Baylor, he has you know, turned Baylor and Temple in short time into you know, perennial division champions. Um, and of course... They fell just short uh, this past, uh, I guess, maybe a month ago now um, when they lost to Oklahoma, barely with its third quarterback in the end of that game. 
And and they went big. They went bold. They went seven years, seventy million. I tell you what, I like it. I like the commitment into the young guy. I think he's gonna be a great head coach in the league. Yeah, it's a big risk, but I think what you've got, and you've seen it from Dave Tepper, what he said since he come in is is that they are changing things in Carolina. They are going to be aggressive in free agency. They are going to be analytically driven. They are going to be the future of football. And that starts with Matt Rule. And so he has quickly turned around two college programs. I know they're not at the biggest level, but the you know, the Big Twelve is is big is big league. It's one of the best um, conferences in college football. And so yes, uh, they gave him a seven-year contract. He doesn't have any pro history. <clears throat> and uh, and I don't know. I think when you take a look at it, Carolina is going to have a quarterback. You know, question. You know. More recently, I feel like we've been hearing less rumors about Cam Newton on the move. Does Matt Rule want him to stay in as the quarterback if, if he's going to be healthy next year? Um, but I think, you know, you take a look at that offense. Not a bad offensive line. It definitely needs some help. Defense isn't that bad. But offensively speaking, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, two young studs. And if you have Cam Newton and he's healthy, or say you go out there and get a different type of quarterback, whether that's free agency, um, if, if you're a team that maybe could lure in, I mean, I don't know how great it would be, but Phillip Rivers for a bridge year if you took a quarterback later on, or say you say you draft a quarterback in the first round. I mean, where are they picking at? They might be picking at 6th or 7th. If they could trade up to 4 or 5, potentially get Tua. I mean, there's someone out there. But... Whether it's Cam or not, um, I think that this is going to be one of those teams that we take a look at this move and we say, okay, this was a team kind of like the Ravens, what they did this past year, and they're changed to, you know, Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator. From the owner all the way down to the, to the coaching staff, management, training staff, they all had one common identity. And that seems to be what Carolina is, is um, copying here. We don't know what it necessarily looks like yet in terms of personnel, we're going to find out this offseason because I expect some changes. But we're going to see what their identity is, and they're going to be one of those teams that from ownership to, to the bottom, from the top to the bottom, they're going to have one unified identity. And I think that that's where you're going in the NFL that, that makes things click. New England. I mean, God, why, why did it take so long for people to start taking a look at what New England was doing? They had one identity, one common, you know, vision on, on how a team operates. It's one common goal that we all get behind to go and win a championship. New England was the best dynasty in professional sports because of it. And now we're starting to see, okay, Baltimore is, is you know, committing to being this aggressive, physical, power-run team, <clears throat> you know, going forward on fourth downs, not kicking extra points, going for two. They're aggressive. Carolina is going to be committing to an identity like that. And um, I, I like the hire so far. There's only one job left, but so far it's my favorite hire of the offseason. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do in Carolina, uh, what Matt Rule can do. Um, you know, and, he, and he's got some time to prove it. And I think that's the other thing with, this, with his job specifically. You know, Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, Jason Garrett's probably going to hold on to him a while, but the expectations are we've we got to make this work now. Um, you know, Ron Rivera probably has a little bit of a leash because his, you know, he's got a young quarterback. He's got young playmakers. Giants, likewise, young players around there too. But I really think that, you know, if we could take a look at these hires and 
Dallas I don't count because they were, you know, essentially almost division champs. So they're a little bit further along than Carolina, New York, and Washington were. But if you take a look at those three teams, to me the quickest one to turn it around is probably going to be the Panthers in my eyes, especially if Cam Newton is healthy in 2020 and is still the starting quarterback. Um, because I think that this is going to be one of those teams where we just see <clears throat> a cohesive, unified mindset on offense, and I think it's going to lead them um, back to the way that things, you know, hopefully were on the trend for. I mean, they started off and they were, what, I forget at what point they were, maybe 6-3 and three with Kyle Allen. You know, things were looking great, and then it got really bad. Um, I think Carolina has a chance if Cam Newton is there healthy to turn it around pretty quickly if not i give i give matt rule a couple years as a a grace period please don't harp on him quickly people wanted to harp on on uh i I heard people trying to complain to me about brian flores because miami was so bad this year it's like come on give the guy a break he's trying to change what was a really poorly run franchise you know it's tough to to rebuild everything that adam gase destroys and uh and for as con- inconsistent as Carolina has been in the tenure of Ron Rivera, you know, if, if Cam Newton doesn't come back, I-, I give him some time. But I really do think that this is my favorite hire so far. Um, you know, depending on what Cleveland can do, if they can get Lincoln Riley out, that'll probably be, you know, my favorite hire, just getting him back with Baker and trying to make some of that magic, you know, recreate it from his Oklahoma days. Um, I'm trying to think if, if he gets the enemy, if, if Cleveland can get the enemy, um, then I, then I would probably say that too. I, the Cleveland job in itself, the way it looks like if it's Josh McDaniels, he is going to, you know, that's the opportunity he would take because he gets to have a say in who his general manager is going to be. So if that's the situation, Josh McDaniels, I would still prefer, you know, that would be on the toward the bottom of my list for potential. I just, I'm nervous about McDaniels. You know, it wasn't that great of a season for him, uh, calling that offense. And I know he dealt with so many injuries. He dealt with a declining Brady, not great offensive line, and poor skill players. But game calling wise, play calling wise, I I wasn't a fan. Um, And so I'd be a little nervous, mixed in with what we saw when he was with the Broncos. I'd be a little nervous. Um, especially when you've got a lot of personalities on that team and if they have to go through another year. I mean, we saw them destroy Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens <laughs> looked beaten and battered by the end of the season based off how many times his players yelled at him. Um, so, you know, wouldn't be in love with it, wouldn't hate it um, as much. But to me, for the Cleveland job specifically, I would take a look at Lincoln Riley. If, if you can get Lincoln Riley to go up to Cleveland, and that's going to be a hard sell, I think, for him to leave the college ranks because he's got it cooking right now. Um, I would love that hire. You get him back with Baker to hopefully recreate the college and rookie year magic. He was bad this past season. Um, but there's a talented – I mean, they've got great skill players on offense, um, good young players on defense. So Lincoln Riley I would love there. I would also love Eric Bieniemy just for him to get his shot in Cleveland – um, but I definitely feel like it has to come on the offensive side of the ball because you're if you when you've got a young quarterback and I, and I say this always about switching the head coaches but even with offensive coordinators too so say you hire you know a defensive head coach and Cleveland all of a sudden becomes a winning team 
they're still going to have offensive struggles because usually what comes with that is a good offensive coordinator that then gets his own head coaching opportunity. I would rather commit to an offensive-minded head coach. And if it works out, then we've got him consistently paired with young skill players, a young quarterback, so he's not having to relearn everything every offseason. Baker is going to be just like Sam Darnold. You know, they keep switching up these offenses on these young quarterbacks. How is that going to help them? And for Sam Darnold, yeah, he's going to have Gase next year, but then he's going to have to learn someone the year after that when Gase is fired because they don't make any improvements and they're still really bad. So now you've got Baker, who I guess is going to be in his third playbook. I, I would hope that this is the final one for a while, so you got to make it right. I feel like it's got to be on the offensive side. Um, just to rank them out, I'd probably go Lincoln, Eric Bieniemy, Josh McDaniels. Those would be the three guys that I say Cleveland's got to go out there and get. And, uh, and yeah. So that's that. That's the head coaching moves this offseason in, in the order that I like them. Last place, Mike McCarthy to the to the Cowboys. I think it's just Jason Garrett with a better resume. Um, only reason I would uh, start to like it is if he you know puts his money where his mouth is and actually has changed his view on on what a team should look like in the year 2020. If he gets more analytically driven, more progressive on offense. But until we see that, I got him at four at three. I got Ron Rivera. He was able to get Dan Snyder to remove Bruce Allen from the organization. Going to be a huge move for the culture uh, in Washington. Um, they were able to you know, get some of those guys out of the training room. So we're, we're going to be able to really make Washington a place where players enjoy playing for the most part. Only reason I'm a little worried is because, I mean, he had two winning seasons as a head coach in in uh, Carolina, one of which was, you know, one of the greatest seasons for an MVP quarterback in Cam Newton when they went 15-1, and one, carried by Cam Newton. So aside from that, that there, there's one winning season aside from that. Uh, second, I got the, the Giants hiring Joe Judge. Yeah, we don't know a lot yet, but I, I, I just, I think, I think his experience with Saban and Belichick hopefully He's taken a lot from that opportunity. Um, he doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy that really gets frazzled by being in a large market. It's probably not going to be pretty early on. I expect him to, to save face and do all right, unlike you know a guy like Adam Gase who has thrown everybody under the bus you know, by month three. Um, so a lot of unknowns with him, but I, I think it's going to be a good hire. I think it's going to pan out for the Giants. They just got to commit to it uh, for, for more than two years. You know, unlike their last two head coaches. And then my favorite hire so far uh, has to be Matt Rule to the Carolina Panthers. They are going to be taking on as one of the new wave teams. The 2020s, they are going to be one of those teams that has a unified identity from top to bottom. And if it's a, an identity that fits the mold of where the NFL is going, um, I think it's going to be great, especially on offense. Um, and I'm excited to see how it works. He's got a long time to prove it to. Seven years, $70 million. Pay that man his money. Great contract. Uh, for Matt Rule. And then, yeah, um, with with the Browns, I won't be mad with McDaniels. I'll love if it's Lincoln Riley or Eric Bieniemy, but we got to start getting in an offensive mind there to, to establish some consistency for a young quarterback that clearly had a, had, a, had a good rookie year and then fell off his sophomore season. So those are my thoughts on the head coaching carousel, which is almost wrapped up soon as Cleveland makes its decision, and I expect them to take some time. I'm sure there are some guys that they would 
want to interview that are still you know in the playoffs. Greg Roman might be a guy out there, but I don't really think his offense necessarily fits Cleveland's right now. You know, Baker isn't a Lamar Jackson or Colin Kaepernick. If they wanted to go defensive, Robert Saleh, Saleh, however say his last name, over with the 49ers. <clears throat> but I expect them to take some time because they're not, you know, in a rush to compete with other coaches. They're the only team without a head coach. Um, so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Glad to be back in the saddle. Get another episode out this week, uh, you know, previewing the divisional round for the playoffs. Um, might get another episode in there. I, I do want to talk some Patriots discussions. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a full Patriots episode, but I definitely do want to talk about, you know, where this dynasty falls off and where, where it peters off and where some of these guys end up. But uh, I'm not sure if that'll be this week or next week, but stay tuned. Uh, make sure to go over and follow my work. Um, follow me on Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. Like, like this podcast, leave a good review, rate it five stars, subscribe, do all that mumbo jumbo. Uh, once again, this is Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace, and I will talk to you soon. Peace.